get into the Word of God. Amen. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Above all, I give honor to my wife, my greatest supporter. You know, the Bible says, one reward you give to a prophet, a glass of water, you get a prophet's reward. Amen. Even a glass of water. On that day, when you stand before the judgment throne, seat of God, I know who's going to get a great reward. My wife will. Amen. Little things you do in close towards God will reward you in the open. Amen. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And um, just a bit of background to what uh, is happening here. They're on the other side of the promised land now. And this is Joshua's epilogue. And uh, Joshua's coming to the end of his life. Yeah, you may stand. Sorry. <laughs> coming to the end of his life. And he gathers the people of Israel once more. And he tells them this um, great verse. Uh, everyone knows it. And it says this in chapter 15. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, this is the gods, remember they were in Exodus, I mean in, in Egypt, in the time of Exodus. And they were serving them gods. Which your father served, that they were there on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. The Amorites were dwelling in the land of Canaan before they got there. And then he says these famous words. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I have this plaque in my living room. It's quite big. And my wife put it up there. And it says this verse. Choose you this day. Whom shall you serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And every day that I go into the house, and I, I see this, this plaque, and it reminds me who I am serving. Amen? And the theme of our talk this morning is the power and the significance of your choice. And the title of our message this morning is, Choose You This Day, Whom Will You Serve? Put your Bible up and we pray and we get into it. Father, we thank you, O Lord God, that we can be in your house, Lord God. What a privilege, O Lord God, to gather with the saints. Lord, I pray, God, that you speak, especially to that one person who hasn't met you, who hasn't experienced your goodness, oh, Lord God. Father, the word says that we should choose this day who is God we are going to serve. Lord, may we choose you. Speak to us, oh, Lord God. We pray for your presence. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start it off this way. I'm going to go through the book of Joshua. Uh, but we are going to focus in on two battles in the book of Joshua, the battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai. It takes up most of the book. And there's a reason why uh, it's written like that, because there's two characters in that battle, the battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai. One makes a positive choice, and we see her name in the Bible, and the other one does the other choice. And we see the ramifications of his choice. Amen. Okay? The book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. 
It's the book after Deuteronomy, and, and it flows from the death of Moses. After the death of Moses, we start the beginning of Joshua. And now for us, it just flows on. The story uh, uh, just goes on. But for a Jew, the first five books is very important because the first five books is the book of the law. And it's called the Torah or the Pentateuch. And these five books are read every year. They start from the beginning and they go to the end of Deuteronomy and they go back again. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And the reason why they read this is because it's the basic constitution of the people of Israel. And it is the foundational to all that follows it. Amen? So by contrast, when we get to the book of Joshua, there's not a single law in it. Neither is there a law in the books that come after it. So in other words, now we're going to see the book of Joshua, how the law is going to be worked out. They've come to the end of the law, and now they are going to live it. And Joshua is the first book after the book of the Torah. And the book covers the life of Joshua from 80 to 120. Very similar to Moses. The 40 years was their ministry. And uh, the difference between the two is that Moses wasn't just a leader. He was a lawgiver. While Joshua is a leader. And the period of lawgiving had been completed. And first when we open up the book of Joshua, we see the commissioning of Joshua. And Moses um, has died and God tells Joshua that he's the choice to replace Moses. Moses has brought them out of Egypt. And now Joshua is going to take them in to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. And God does this. He promises Joshua, just as he had been with Moses, he will be with Joshua. And three times when you read the Bible, he says this to Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Three times he does that. You know, when the Bible mentions something three times, take notice. Because there's something happening. Hallelujah. And he says this to Joshua. Not only that you be strong and be courageous, but that he does everything that the law tells him to do. He must keep the laws of God. And if he does that, he will prosper. Not prosper getting rich like the prosperity gospel they're preaching. This means, the Bible says, when you prosper, you succeed in what God wants us to do. That he will prosper. And two things that we notice here, God focuses on. First thing is morale. Okay? He tells Joshua, be strong and be courageous. And he tells Joshua, it's not the tactics and the strategies that's going to win you the battle that is important. But the thing that is going to win the battle for you is morale. So be courageous. Be strong. The second thing is, he says, is the life of Joshua. Moral life. The moral life according to the law of God. He must maintain that moral life of the highest standard because he is leading people. And he must live a moral life. There's two things, you know, if you want to become a leader. First, you must be courageous. You must to inspire people, to move them on. And the second thing, you must live a high moral life. 
just from experience, you know, I, I've always said this. Um, I heard this. You know, the, the spiritual things of God, you catch. You don't, you're not taught. You catch. And you see how this reflects to this, why God tells Joshua that he has to be courageous. Because just like courage, fear spreads the same way. Making sense to you? If I'm courageous, my, the ones that are after me are courageous. But if I'm scared, all of a sudden they're scared. Why? Because they just pass it on. They catch it. Same as it is with the Spirit of God, the things of God, you catch it. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Be in church. If you want to grow, you will catch these spiritual things. We can't teach it to you. You've got to be around the saints of God. That's just the way that God works. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then Joshua tells the people what God had told him. There's an amazing thing. The people said exactly the words that God told him in private. Be strong and be courageous. You know, it, it's a wonderful confirmation when you have that um, a witness and, and they repeat to you the same thing that God has confirmed to you. Amen. And they said this. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will now obey you. You find that strange? Did the people of Moses fully obey Moses? No. Because the Bible says they're stiff-necked people. Moses was up to his neck with them. And he said, Lord, why me? Why am I leading these people? Why have you chosen me? When you first read it, you realize, well, that's quite funny, but this is a new generation, a new generation of people. All those, his forefathers, they, they've learned their lesson. They've seen what happened when they disobeyed God, and they've learned. And now we um, go into the, going into Jericho, before they go into Jericho, Jordan was the barrier, the river Jordan. They're on this side, promised landers on the other side. And the first thing that... Um, Joshua does, he sends in two spies. Forty years ago, Moses did what? He sent in how many spies? Twelve. And ten of them came back with a negative report. And it caused Israel to be faithless and scared and they couldn't get in. But this time, Joshua only sent two. You know, faith is not foolhardy. God had promised Joshua that he was going to take the land. But yet, Joshua sent two spies in. Why? Because there's a principle that Jesus said in the New Testament. Sit down and count the cost before you go to battle. Count the cost. You know, suss out the situation. Find out what we're facing. You know, sometimes, some, some, sometimes we do things by faith. We're really being foolish. You know what I'm saying? We haven't thought it out. Amen. Faith isn't blind. Faith looks at the situation, and then it sends the spies in to find out what the situation is. And above all, Joshua didn't want a good report of their military might. What he wanted to find out what was their morale like. What was their morale like? And if you read the Bible, they had heard about Joshua and, and, and the people of God coming in. They kept the, goat, the, 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 the gate closed, the walls closed. Amen. And the spies found lodging in a brothel. 
And it tells us a lot about the moral state of Canaan. And here is why Rahab, you see, comes out in the as the main character in, in the story of Jericho. Why? But we soon see. I just want to say this. When we read the Bible, the Bible is it's a history book. Yes, it's a history book. But it's more than a history book. God carefully selects what he puts in the Bible. That's what makes the difference. God chooses everything that is in the Bible. And there's a reason why he puts it in the Bible. It's because these things affect him. And when we really say, why is it there? And then you find out, and all of a sudden, the Bible opens up to you. It's a wonderful book. Amen. Still with me? Amen. Okay. So he sends two spies. And then we see Rahab. And the power and the significance of her, her choice, we shall see. She took in the spies and hid them. And she hid them on the roof underneath the, the straw. And when the city heard that the spies had come, they came looking for them. And they said to Rahab, where are the spies that came to spy the land? And Rahab said, they had come, but they've gone out. And if you chase them, you'll catch them. As soon as they left, Rahab went onto the roof and brought the man out and said, you may go your way now. But don't go towards the river. Go towards the mountain. Because if you go towards the river, they will catch you. But after three days, then you can go your way. And they said this. To Rahab, why have you done this? And Rahab said, because I believe in your God. I believe in your God. That's faith. Hallelujah. She had heard what the, uh, God had done for his people. And she believed that Jericho was also going to be handed over to him. Amen. Rahab wasn't a good woman. But she had faith. Hallelujah. And here's the lesson. God can do more with a bad woman with faith than a good woman without faith. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. If you have faith, God will use you. Am I making sense? Amen. And we soon see. Because of the choice of Joshua. So he is a prostitute who, who saves the spies and then she makes a vow. She asked the spies to spare her house and her family. And the two spies do something. It's very significant because this is really a, a, a reflection of the book of Exodus. They tell Rahab to hang something red outside her window. Why? Because they remembered the story of the Passover. Straight back in Passover. What saved them was the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And they were doing the same thing to Rahab. She said, hang something out of your window and your house and your family will be spared. Here is, in Exodus is, is a picture of our salvation. And um, if you read Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, there's a plague that has happened in Egypt. I'm just going to veer off from here for a minute. The tenth plague was on everyone. Nine plagues Israelis said didn't have to do anything. But the tenth plague was on everything. Was on everyone. And the reason is this. is because we are all under judgment. 
The Bible says that we have all sinned. We are all sinners and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And that judgment hangs on every single person that's in this room. It is valid now as it is valid then. We are all under the judgment because we are born sinners. And the only thing that was going to save them was the blood of the Lamb. And when Jesus, when God came, he said to Moses, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood. Understand this. God is not looking for how many times you come to church. God is not looking for how many times you pray. God is not looking for how many times you fast. All God is looking for is the blood of the Lamb. That is what is going to save them. No blood, the firstborn is dead. And God warned Moses and said, I will kill every firstborn, man and beast. Very similar to you and me. God rejects our first birth. Am I making sense? Go to the book of John chapter 3. What does Jesus say to Nicodemus? We must be born again. And he says this to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And it is valid today as it is then. We must be born again. And all God is looking for is looking for that blood. Without the blood of the Lamb, we stand in judgment. Now, you probably ask, how do I apply the blood of the Lamb in my life? Put up Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38, our famous scripture. We can probably quote it. But I want you to see. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, each one of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the salvation plan. Where's the blood? Anyone have a guess? Where's the blood in Acts 2 38? It's in the name. Why the name? Because Jesus is the name of the Lamb. Making sense? Amen. And unless we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, their sins are still in us. Because the only thing that is going to remit sin is the blood of the Lamb. And then that's all God is looking for. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you. This is a wonderful gospel. It just links, you know, and you can see. And when John saw Jesus Christ, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away sins of the world. It doesn't matter how many times we, how good we are. Without the blood of the Lamb, we are still far from God. Today is the day that salvation, you can have that blood applied to your life. And I tell you, you will never, ever regret it. The power and the significance of your choice. That's Rahab. She made that choice. And now... They had come, uh, uh, get back, uh, a few things that I wanted to mention here. They're about to enter into Jericho. And um, 
first thing that the spies had come back and they, they'd given Joshua the report. And now they cross over the river Jordan. The Bible says that it dried up. They crossed over on dry ground. God was repeating the crossing of the Red Sea. Right? Exactly what he did for Moses, he was doing for Joshua. But this is a new generation. They have heard of the crossing of the Red Sea, but they've never seen it. But now God was proving to them that he was with them also. The God of their fathers was also with them. And that's why he dried it up. And they crossed over. And they had two things to get on the other side. They gathered 12 stones. And they, they, they made a cane. It's just like a pile of stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Then they circumcised every man. And they named that place Gilgal. Gilgal simply means rolling away. The, the, the plague of, of, or the shame of Egypt has been rolled away. And something happens when they get to the other side. The manna stopped. Forty years they've been eating manna. All of a sudden, you get in the promised land, it stops. You know what manna means? What is it? That's what it, when they say something, what is it? They get to the other side, he says, guess what? What is it? Stop. They're in the land of the milk and honey now. And they eat vegetables and, and they're eating fruit. You know, Jericho today produces some of the best fruit in the world. Amen. And now the, 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 from the reports of the spies, the, the, the military strategy of taking the land was clear. And what Joshua was going to do was going to drive a wedge right in between the enemy camp. And he was going to split them in two. And that way they could battle in management uh, numbers. And the first that uh, he came to was the, the, the city of Jericho. And that's why Jericho and Ai takes up most of the story in the book of Joshua. And here we see uh, how he ta God tells him, the Israelites, you are to march around the town for six days. You march around. And they're going to blow the horn. Uh, uh, they put the priest in the middle with, with the Ark of the Covenant. Men in the front, men in the back. And they're to march around once a day for six days. And it's funny because you, you read the Bible. Uh, New Living Translation says this. Joshua says, don't shout. Don't speak a word. Not even a single word. Be silent. And they do that for six days. And when I read this, I said to myself, Sister Gina, if these were islanders marching here, we'd lose the battle right here. This is it. <laughs> How could you keep it quiet for six days? Just march around back again. Be quiet, be quiet. But they did that. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And when they heard the long blast of the horn, Joshua told them to shout. And the walls came down. Every house that was on top of Jericho, the houses were built on the walls. And it wasn't hard for the houses to come down. Every house came down. Except the house of who? Rahab, because the significance and the power of choice. That's why Jericho and Rahab is in that part of the book, the book of Joshua. She saved herself and her family and the whole household. And because of the choice that she made, you see Rahab's name written in the New Testament, in two books in the New Testament. In Hebrews, in the book of faith, you will see the name of Rahab. She's one of the heroes of faith. And if you go to the book of Matthew and the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ, Rahab's name appears there. 
because of the choice that she made. What's your choice today? If you make the right choice, I tell you, God not only bless you, he'll bless the generations to come. You know, often we think, oh, Lord, where's my blessing? Where's my blessing? Remember, God is a God of eternity. And he owes nobody anything. Whatever you give to God, he will give back. And if it's not you, it will be your children. If not your children, your children's children. If not your children's children, your children's children's children. But he will always give back. Hallelujah. Because of one choice that Rahab made. She became the great, 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 great grandmother of King David. And then great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. What a story, huh? Amen. Now they're going to go to the second city. The second city of Ai. And it was just up the road. And they go there and they get routed. And they fled for their lives. And Joshua was so distraught that he lay on his face, covered himself in ashes, and he cried out to God, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you bring us all this way? Now these people will not fear us anymore. They will gather and they will destroy us. What's going to happen to your great name? Who does Joshua sound like? Slaves in Egypt. Right? We were better off on the other side. And God speaks to Joshua. Joshua. Why are you on your face? Like, get up. The reason why you were defeated is because somebody sinned. And two mistakes they did before they went into, a went into AI. When they were in Jericho, God had warned them. He told them, when you get into Jericho, do not take anything. Don't loot anything from Jericho because Jericho belongs to me. Every other town that you are going to conquer, you can take anything. But Jericho is mine. It was part of the first fruits. And God warned them because I'm going to destroy everything. And if somebody takes something, I will destroy them as well. And this is what Achan did. When they went in, he saw a robe, Babylonian robe, some gold and silver, and he took it and he hid it. And that's what caused them to be defeated. So he told Joshua, you gather the men in the morning. And you parade them and I'll find out who sinned. So they gathered them in the morning. And they took lots. Right? Lots. Like lottery. Lottery is biblical. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Not our type of lottery. Lottery in that day. They had, you know, to, to keep the human element out of it. They, they, they took, uh, they, they used lottery. Uh, lots. They, they Draw straws. And um, if you look in the Bible, Jonah was found out by taking lots. Right? I mean, the book. And they came down to one tribe. They came down to one clan. And finally, Achan was found out. And Joshua said to Achan, did you take some of the stuff from Jericho? He said, yes, it's buried in the tent. And they brought him out. They laid it out in front of Achan. And then they took Achan away. They burnt all their stuff and they stoned not only Achan, but his family. Because of the choice that Achan made. You are sitting here today. The choice that you are going to make is either going to bless you or it's going to curse you. 
And you see the ramification. That's why AI and Jericho is prominent in the book of Joshua. Because God wanted us to see the ramification, the significance and the power of the choices we make. And it cost Achan not only his life, but his family's life. Because of the wrong choice that he made. He decided to roll the dice. How could you roll the dice with God? A God that knows everything. He even knows the thoughts even before we think it. We are not going to get away with anything. You know, they say in the world, two-thirds of the crimes that they committed, they get away with. They only solve one-third of the crime. But I tell you, in the day, you know, the judgment day, there is not one sin that we are going to get away with. Not one sin. Because we are dealing with God. Everything is going to come in and God is going to judge us. But that's the story of AI. And we see later in the Bible, Joshua goes on and conquers the rest of the place. 24 towns. But first, and then he splits them up. He, he takes six cities. You read it, it's in the Bible. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, a, a city where re uh, of refuge where you can run to and, and, and hide and be safe if you had committed a crime. And that how did he divide the land? Lots. He took the lots. They took lots and they, they drew. It's like a national lottery. But you know when the lots stopped in the Bible? Day of Pentecost. That's when they stopped doing it. Why? Because we got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost to tell us what's right and what's wrong. Ning, huh? I'm just going to ask you this question. I, I, I know you're looking at me. <laughs> as if, you know, this thing's in the Bible. Just two questions very quickly. Why do you read the Bible? And how do you read the Bible? Bear with me. Because these two questions are related. How you read the Bible and why you read the Bible. Because how you read the Bible is going to be determined by why you read the Bible. Am I making sense? Right? Your method will come from your motive. And there's three ways that you read the Bible. I don't know why. I'm three ways you read the Bible. You can read it verse, a verse at a time. It's like reading the horoscope. You look through the Bible and you say, oh, this scripture suits my situation. Right? And, then, and then you stop. You know, essentially, uh, we are selfish because you're reading it for shelf. God doesn't want us to read the Bible like that. How would you like to read a novel like that, verse at a time? You know, by the time you get to the middle of the book, you wouldn't know what the book is about. Amen. The other one is you read it in a passage. You read the Bible in a passage, you, either you're teaching a lesson or you're going to preach a sermon. And you read a passage, and the words will come alive for you. That's fine. Same as the verse. But the proper way to read the Bible is read it in books. The Bible has 66 books. They're all different. They have the same thing, but they're all different. And when you read the Bible in a book, a whole book, every word counts. It comes alive for you. And this is what happens when you read it in a book. You get to know God. Amen? Read it in a book and you get to know God. It's important that you know God. Know what he likes, what he dislikes, what he's going to do about me, what he's going to do about you. What is he going to do with the universe that we live in? And you only get that because when you start to see the big picture. I'll give you an example. I'm aware of time. In the land of Canaan, right, the, the Bible says they were sinful. And, and, and this is the sin that they practiced in the land of Canaan. 
Joshua was told to go in there and destroy everything. Man, woman, child, beast. Everything. And when you first see it, you go, wow. It's a bit harsh. It's like genocide. But when you're reading the Bible, in Genesis chapter 15, God tells, Mo, tells Abraham this. I will enslave my people for 400 years. They are going to go to Egypt and they're going to be enslaved there for 400 years. Why? Because the sins of the Amorites who were dwelling in Canaan hadn't come to its fullness. And he couldn't take them in because God is fair. And he's long-suffering. And he waited. He waited until there was no repentance. Canaan practiced idolatry, bestiality, child sacrifice, homosexuality. We, we, we're living the, the same way. You know how many children we're killing through abortion? I'm sorry. But this is what's happening in our world. You just got to read the Bible and it will tell you. And that's why they were there for 400 years. And when the fullness of the sin of the Amorites had come to fullness, he said, all right, now you go in and you destroy everything. But we see the mercy of God. He's long-suffering. Amen. Two minutes. Joshua made a curse when they took down the, the, the walls of Jericho. He said this. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. The cost of his firstborn and the cost of his younger son, who will set up the gates. And it stayed like that until first Kings. And there was a man named here under the reign of Ahab the king. And it says this. In, during his reign that here a man from Bethel rebuilt Jericho. When he laid its foundations, it cost the life of his oldest son. Abraham, and when he completed it, it set up its gates, it cost him the life of his younger son. The choices that we make. It's important that we make the right choice. Let's stand. Almost finished. You know, in the end of Joshua, or the book of Joshua, he had conquered everything, and it says this. Now, therefore, um, But uh, the Bible tells us, at the end of Joshua, they had, they, they had gained everything. And then Joshua gives them that epilogue. Choose you this day, whom shall you serve? But by the end of Joshua, he says, all the people that were under Joshua's reign, they served God. They were faithful. But by the time we get to Second Kings in the Bible, everything that God promised them and gave them, they lost. Everything. They lost. They didn't lose it all at once. But they lost it. The seed was planted because of Achan. Now you see the significance of the power of the choice that we make. And by the time we get to 2 Kings, Israel was back to where they started. But it didn't begin there. It started with King David. One afternoon, King David, you know, Israel's reign was at its peak in the days of David and Solomon, they had conquered everything that God had promised them. But one afternoon, David was at home. He was supposed to be at war. You know the story. He looked out the window and he saw this lady named Bathsheba, baby. 
And David from that time proceeded to break five of the Ten Commandments. He coveted his wife's neighbor's wife. He stole his neighbor's wife. He bore false witness against his wife, neighbor's wife. He planned his murder. I don't know what they were. There were five of them. He committed adultery. From that day onwards, you see it in the Bible, the nation of Israel came down. 500 years, they'd lost everything. The significance of the power of your choice that you make. 500 years later, they were back. Guess where? Babylon. Who got Abraham out from Babylon? God. Ur was in Babylon. That's where he got Abraham from. And they were back again in Babylon. Back in exile. Power and the significance of a choice. You know the last words the disciples said to Jesus? They said, when are you going to restore the nation of Israel? When are you going to restore? This is before he was ascended. And 2,005 to 2,000 years later, they're still asking the same question. Amen. But that's the story of choice. Okay, I've got to leave you with something positive. <laughs> I don't want you to go home gloomy. Two minutes. In the book of Genesis, when God starts creating, okay, bear with me. Everything that he made each day, he said it was what? Good. Good, 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 good. Six days. This is God's standard of goodness. You know, there's some places that you go and you look around and, you, and everything is peaceful. You, you feel the serenity and the peace of God. And you say, God is here. Well, earth was like that. Everything was in its place. And if you look at the world, there's two things that come. When you look at the planet earth, you know, from high above. It's a wonderful planet that we live in. There's no other planet on this earth like it. The color and the life and the variety. There's no other, because God made it for you and me. And the second thing is this. The people that are living in it are destroying it. Every day, 100 species are disappearing. And that's why God had to limit the life of a man on earth. They lived four, five hundred, six hundred years. But after sin, 120 years, said, you shall only live 120 years. Because if we lived that long, we would have destroyed everything. But what's the hope? Seventh day, God rested and said it was good. Then we began to destroy the earth. After the day of Pentecost, the Bible talks about something called the eighth day. Look it up in your Bible. I haven't got time to go through it. But the eighth day, God has gone back to work. He's gone back to creating again. But understand this. Now, God not only creates, God promises us, right? A new heaven, a new earth. Yes? But this time, He reverses the order of creation. He's creating new creatures. You with me? The Bible says, Is therefore be any man in Christ. He is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Before God puts you in a new created, in a new world, a new heaven, He has to birth us new. He's reversed the world of creation. Amazing, isn't it? Today you can be born again. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, he said this to Nicodemus very plainly. Unless you're born again, you will not enter there. The choice is yours. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God.
Father, especially to those, Lord God, at crossroads at the moment. And they're deciding whether they'll go back to the world or decide to live for you. But through your word, we understand, oh God, the ramifications of God, the choices that we make. It can either bless us, oh Lord God, or it can curse us. But Lord, we are asking you, Lord God, for wisdom. Lord God, speak to my brother and my sister, Lord God, before he goes home. And for us, oh Lord God, that are here, your family, we thank you for your word. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name.